This past Christmas, there was a couple in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who went to the Cub Food Store in the neighborhood, and they dropped in a $500,000 check into the Salvation Army cattle. <laughs> that's a half a million dollars. Wow, now that's, that's really generous. And someone interviewed them. They wanted to remain anonymous. And they said the reason they did it, they were inspired by how when they were kids, they had to eat food that was discarded from the grocery store. And also, one of their dads was in World War II. And he remembers, as he told them, when they were in the, uh, or over fighting, that they were able uh, to have coffee and donuts served by the Salvation Army. So they gave, in fact, this is what they said. You get to a point in life where it's time to take care of others the way you are taken care of yourself. That's the, that's a heart of generosity. Now you don't have to wait till you're older. You don't have to wait till you have a lot of money. God calls us to a lifestyle of generosity, always giving our lives away. And there's great joy in being generous. We've talked in the last couple of messages about how are God's generosity managers. We talked about our time and our talent and our treasure. Talk about our time. I sometimes stop by Awana on Wednesday nights, the kids program we have for K through sixth graders, and I see these people who are serving. They give three hours every Wednesday night. Isn't that wonderful? To these kids, to disciple them and walk with them and encourage them, and some give more than that. But that's certainly somebody who's generous with their time, right? Who's going to give to the Lord and discipling others. How about talent? Uh, this building was constructed in 2005, and it was amazing to see the number of people who came who had skills and abilities that would help us in building this building. In fact, one of our elders, uh, Matt. Where's Matt? Oh, there he is. Yeah, I remember him working so hard on that particular project. But it was just so exciting to see people giving of their free time and their abilities to help make this building a reality. Let me talk about treasure. Now, usually we think of financial resources, but how about our stuff, right? Pastor Matt is going up, uh, or has been up in Wisconsin, uh, for a junior high retreat with six leaders. I say that's a discipleship experience for everybody. <laughs> right? How fun would that be? But again, some of these leaders took their cars, they, they used their cars generously to transport these kids up to that location, our time and our talent and our treasure. Now, I know that, that some of you uh, might be a little nervous. We're talking about tithing today and giving. And I just want to let you know, I talk about these things not because I want to make you feel guilty. Or you ought or you should do this type of thing. In fact, when people say, isn't that tough to talk about? I say, no, it's my joy to talk about it. Because, friends, over the last 25 years of ministry, I have seen all kinds of people step ahead in generosity, and they only 
<laughs> experience great joy. And they'll come back to me and say, I'm so glad you taught on that because that really transformed my Christian life. If you're looking for a jump start to your Christian life, have a spirit of generosity toward other people. In fact, we read in the Bible, generous people experience emotional happiness, spiritual holiness, and material prosperity. Let's take a look at these. Fact one, God blesses generous people. Now, Paul was in Ephesus. He had just started the church several years after that. And he was leaving the elders. And he had a final charge for him. He said, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In all things, he said, we are to help the weak. You guys had such a tremendous heart of compassion. We had our blood drive last Sunday, and we had a record number of people, like 19 people, uh, give blood in some way or another, plasma. So, so thank you so much. And we think about this baby bottle campaign that we're in. That, again, is a way we can help the weak, as, as Paul talks about here. And he says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the original Greek word for blessed is makadoias, and it means an internal joy that just overwhelms your soul. Remember a Christmas carol and Scrooge after he's been visited by the three different ghosts. He wakes up in the morning and he's so glad that he's alive. And all of a sudden he becomes the most generous person in town. He goes around, he's filled with joy and telling people how excited he is to be able to give when, of course, he never did that in his life before. Well, that's what we're praying for, that God would put us in a spirit of being generous with all that he's entrusted us Two, the Lord Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, Jesus talked more about money than anybody, right? Being generous. Third of the parables were about that particular topic. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves, do we really believe that? Is it more blessed to give than to receive? We certainly have talked about that and how, yes, we have experienced that when we've given presents away, when we help other people with things that they need done. But what if it's a lifestyle? What if every day we get up and instead of looking what to get, we have the frame, mind frame that we want to give to people? Who can I give Today, I'm looking for generous opportunities. Yesterday, I had a handyman in our house, because I don't have any hands. <laughs> and so he came in, and a uh, really, really nice guy. And so I said, uh, you anything? He said, well, I want some coffee. And I said, well, we don't have any coffee. And then it just kind of came to my mind, I should go buy him coffee. So I went down to McDonald's and bought two coffees. I'm trying to learn how to like coffee so you can pray for me. It's a rough transition from diet pop. But I got the coffees and I brought them back. That's a simple act of generosity. And I share that with you, not to say, look at me. I share that with you as an example. That we always need to be looking for opportunities to be generous. Jesus also said in Luke 6.38, Give 
and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So, the scene that the people in the crowd would be thinking of is when uh, the poor go out to the harvest fields and the farmers have left the outer part of the harvest in order to feed them. That was God's way of taking care of them. So when they went, they brought a bag. And when they brought the bag, they took the grain and, and, and they pressed it down and they shook it together in order that they might get as much as they can because they had to walk quite a distance just to get there. Well, here, here's the interesting thing that is so true. What does it say? Give and it will be given to you. We have to make the first move when we talk about generosity. God says, if you give, it will be given to you. And then the last sentence, therefore, with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. So, the generosity that you show, if you show a large amount of generosity, a large amount of blessings, they're going to flow your way. Did you know you can determine how much God is going to bless you? Isn't that wonderful? He says, give. That's the first step. And it will be given to you. And then we see the picture of the person out there who's, again, putting the grain in their sack. And it's just overflowing. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So let's all think about this question. Uh, what type of bag do we have that we're giving to God? Is it a really, really small bag? <laughs> or is it a really big bag? <laughs> I, as you move down the discipleship path, what you're going to find is that you're going to be led by God to be more generous. And you'll realize the more you give, the more you get. Lori and I have experienced this over and over and over in our lives. People have been so generous, and God always shows up in time, doesn't He? He always provides for us when He's ready to provide for us and to teach us something. Well, how many have had the flu this past year? Raise your hand. Any type of the flu? Okay, I hope no one had the H3N1 flu, that particular strain. I guess... The antidote this year was a little more off than it has been in past years. And, and yeah, it's been very, very serious. Over 100 people have died because of the flu. Because it's so contagious. In fact, when I think about greed and materialism, that's contagious too, isn't it? Greed and materialism. <laughs> it used to be you had to keep up with the Joneses. Remember that phrase? Keep up with the Joneses, what your neighbors were doing. You get a car like they have and get electronic stuff like they have. And you're always looking at your friends and your neighbors and say, okay, how do I stay ahead? <laughs> how do I stay ahead of the Joneses? Well, now you've got your smartphone and, and ten, <laughs> how many hours you might be on the smartphone a day, you're constantly being tempted with all the ads that are there that you need more and you don't have enough. So as we walk throughout our week, we are just exposed to temptations to be greedy and materialistic. But the problem, the problem is this, is that particular greed and materialism will bind around our hearts and to squeeze 
our hearts dry. Now, we think if we get more stuff, then we will be happy. But no, that's not the truth. In fact, generosity is the antidote for greed and materialism. That's the only antidote. So if you've been struggling, which we all do, looking at Facebook and say, wow, they did that? Oh, wow, look at that. Look what they got. (laughs) It's kind of like, hey, stop, stop. You know, God says to have a generous spirit. So I need to be thinking about what I can give away instead of what I will get. Generosity will do the trick. Generous people experience, as we said before, emotional happiness, spiritual holiness, and material prosperity. Now, what about that last one, material prosperity? You might say, Dan, are you saying that if I'm very generous with God, let's say financially, that he's going to make me rich? No, (laughs) I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that it's included in the package. Again, Lori and I have been blessed materially uh, from other people and other sources. Uh, We're so thankful for what God has provided for us. So, yeah, if you give generously, you also will receive. That doesn't mean you're not going to have some type of uh, job loss or financial crisis. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? It clearly says in Scripture that you will be blessed. Now, again, we don't go into it with that attitude, but that's how God works. That's, that's a genius of generosity. A genius of generosity. That's why it's so important to engage in, because God wants to bless you. He wants to meet the needs in your life. But first you have to step and say, okay, God, I'm making you first. First in my life. Let's look at fact number two. God provides measurable guidelines for generosity. So how much should we give? How, how generous should we be with our time and our talent? Well, he tells us. Genuine generosity gives the first and best to God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So as we study the Old Testament law, God built things into the law that would help people to identify ways that they could honor Him. So they were to give the first fruits, the first fruits of their grain. When they got it, they brought it in first and gave it to God because they realized that God was the source. God was the source of everything that they had. And when they had a firstborn uh, lamb, uh, they take that in. And when they had a firstborn son, they would have him, uh, again, committed to the Lord. And, and that's just the way God wrote it. Because God wants to be first in your life. God wants to be first. And sometimes you can grow spiritually just by putting God first in different areas, and then your heart will catch up to it after you do it, right? As you're generous, your heart will catch up to it, and you'll grow spiritually and be more like Christ. So again, first fruits of all you produce. So what does that mean in regards to how we live our lives? Again, all the financial resources that we have been entrusted to by God, are His. And we're just managing them. And He asks us to give a significant amount above and the top of your salary because He wants you to remember that all 
the energy and intellect and time that you put into making that money belongs to him. And remember, the rest of it belongs to him as well, right? I mean, you might give uh, to a church family, but the rest of the God, the rest of the money is God's money. So every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Deuteronomy 17.1 You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish. Any defect, whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, he was talking to people who were being generous, who were giving the tithe, one might say, and they didn't have the right heart. And some people can be like that. We all can get to that point where we're just so regularly giving the tithe, we forget about the importance of it. And we, it's just something that we do and our heart's not in it. Well, again, God wants our heart, right? So you shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish. He asked to bring the best sheep, the best ox before him, because God wants to be first in our life. Let's talk about the principle of the tithe. The tithe began before the law. And the tithe means a tenth. So when we talk about tithing, it's giving 10% of your income to God. Now people say, well, do I give it over the gross, over the net? Well, it depends on how you want to be blessed. <laughs> you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? There's a connection there. Now as I see the tithe, I believe that it's a law that supersedes uh, the Old Testament law. We read in Genesis 14:20 that Abraham, when he had a mighty military victory, says, "And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand." That was Melchizedek, who was a priest in that day, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So that was before the law started. We look at Jacob in Genesis 28:22, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar. Now, he just had this dream that he saw all the wonders of his life, what God was going to do in his life. And he said, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So another illustration of a tithe before the law. It's interesting that the Israelites' offerings were more than 10%. They gave 10% to, uh, on a regular basis. And then there was another offering that they did yearly, which was 10%. And then there was another offering that they paid, which was 10% every three years. So every year they were given like 23 to 25% of their income. Now again, you got to remember, it was a theocracy. So God was in charge. So it was kind of like also supporting the government, their taxes and their tithes and things of that nature. Tithing is a heart issue. Jesus talks to the Pharisees. And he says to them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of law. So again, they are tithing. But he says, your heart is not in it. I mean, you're, you tithe more than I even tell you to tithe. You make up tithes. That's what the Pharisees did, right? To feel self-righteous. But you have not taken care of the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So it's the whole package. I mean, God's not just interested in money. He wants everything. He wants to be Lord of your life. And as we go down the discipleship pathway, uh, we learn that. 
That God wants to be Lord. He wants to be the one who calls the shots. He's the one who directs our lives. And again, sometimes we get to a lordship decision along our spiritual journey and say, wow, God really expects a lot out of me. So I'm going to step up and ask Him to empower me to do that. And, and we grow. We grow and we become uh, more generous. Number four, we now give out of the law of love. Galatians 5.13, Paul tells us about the freedom we have in Christ. Now, people in the Old Testament, they were under the law. And again, the whole point was to show them how sinful they really were. And now we're under grace. We're under the new covenant. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What was happening? Well, some people said, well, I've been forgiven and I'm just going to use my opportunity not to follow what God would want me to do. And uh, hey, I'm going to heaven anyway, right? No, 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 God says. That's not the way that it should be. We should use our freedom to give more than we ever have given more. We should use our freedom uh, to share with others the resources that we have. We should use our freedom to give stuff away. That's what God wants. That's the whole idea of generosity. Now, some people say, well, I'm not under the law, so I don't have to tithe. <laughs> if I could have asked them, I would have said, well, how much are you giving right now? It'd be always under 10%, right? <laughs> Whenever somebody's really, you know, adamant about it, I'm not under the law, pretty good you're not giving 10%. <laughs> See, the whole idea in the New Testament is that it's proportional giving. It's all about the grace you receive from God, the resources you receive. And as you move along in your spiritual life, the more you give to God because you know that He wants the best for you. And, and more so just because of all that God has done for you. So I encourage people to look at your giving and say, okay, now 10%, that's a good principle to follow. That's, that's a principle that we've seen throughout Scripture. But that really is not the only place that you would give. I mean, for example, if you're not giving 10%, well, be a good idea to work toward that, right? Maybe you want to double it. Maybe you want to go 2% up. I don't know, whatever. But the point is you want to continue to grow in this area. In fact, the Bible says that we would bring the tithe into the store house. That means God's church. I had a woman who asked me before the service started, now should I give the whole 10% to the church or can I divide it? And I said, no. God's pretty clear about with the principle of tithe that you give it first to your church where the people are ministering to you. And then above that you can give uh, to other types of ministries. There are so many excellent ones uh, out there. So that, that's the thing is, is to ask God, okay, God, what do you want me to give? And to use these principles. And over the years, again, I have seen so many people, their lives transformed by generosity. And it might be something, I don't know if I step out like that, but remember, if you're going to be generous, it's coming from faith. Faith in God. Let's look at the second thing. Genuine generosity is regular and systematic. 
Paul writes uh, to the people at Corinth, Now concerning the collection for all the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. So they were to plan their giving. They were to prepare their hearts for giving. Genuine generosity is proportional. 1 Corinthians 6.2 On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that I there will be no collecting when I come. But Paul is saying giving should be regular, should be systematic. So what you want to do is you want to decide what you're going to give to the Lord and store it up so that you can give it to me when I come, because Paul would give that uh, to other churches. So very intentional in the way that we do this. I love the fact that we have so many different ways to give here at Springbrook. We've got our great Springbrook app that I encourage you to download. It's worth the space, that's all I have to say. It's worth the space, okay? <laughs> then, of course, you can text giving. Uh, you can give here, obviously. Or you can mail your giving. We, we try to make it as easy as possible for you to be generous to the Lord. And I know just for years I've had an automatic uh, withdrawal taken from my bank account as my tithe or above my tithe. And, and again, it's great because I never forget that. There are many Christ followers who only give when they come to church. Well, really, when you talk about giving generously to God, shouldn't that be a certain percentage of income? That's really the best place to start. What percentage of income is God leading you to give? Genuine generosity is sacrificial. Now, you should read uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 when you get home. They're the clearest passages on what giving and being generous is all about. So he's writing to the people at Corinth and he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So he's talking about other churches that were giving generously to the churches in the area. For in a severe test of affliction, that's talking about their lives. They were going through a very difficult time in their lives, per, being persecuted for following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Let's do the math here, okay? We've got a severe test of affliction. Well, I mean severe is the worst thing that maybe could happen to you. So they're really suffering there. Most likely persecution. And in their extreme poverty, some people think, well, I don't have enough to give. But God wants you to give something, right? Think about the widow's might. She gave everything that she had to God. She got the severe test of affliction, the extreme poverty, but they have an abundance of joy in a wealth of generosity. Now, go figure. These people are really suffering, and they don't have any money, but they give anyway. They give beyond their means, it says. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Now, that is faith, right? When you're that poor and you're still giving generously to God, that takes a lot of faith. God is going to show up. God is going to take care of me. And it goes on to say, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I've had a few people beg to give, but not many. <laughs> Can I just get some more? Please get some more to, to God's work. 
Not typically. But these people were begging, hey, we want to give. And Paul's probably saying, well, you guys don't have a lot of money. Oh, but we want to give because we know that that is living a life of generosity. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected. Right? That's a big surprise. But then gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So again, they gave their hearts to God. They gave everything over to God. You're the Lord of my life. And when you do that, when you understand how much God wants to make a difference in your life, then He is going to bless you. Generosity is planned, voluntary, and worshipful. We read in verse 5, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an extraction. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. So plan ahead and have the right type of attitude. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly, Paul writes, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Isn't that great? That's a life of generosity. The more we express our faith in God, the more that we give, the more He's going to reap in our lives. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you shouldn't have a reluctant attitude. Oh, I've got to do this. God says I have to do it. I don't want to do it. Hey, God doesn't want your money if you have that type of attitude, right? He wants it. He wants your heart first, right? And then He wants you to give with a cheerful heart. It's the last time you gave cheerfully. <laughs> now, if you're having an automatic withdrawal, you kind of have to think about it as you go throughout your week. In the sense of, hey, I gave that money to God and I showed that He was number one in my life. And I'm so grateful to Him and so glad that I gave. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. So here we go back to the idea that it's proportional giving in the New Testament. And the question I always have for people, if you're giving less than 10%, do you think that we're less blessed than the people in the Old Testament? I mean, here we have seen Jesus Christ come to the earth and give His life and rise again. And we've experienced the joy of walking daily with Him. Does that mean, oh, I don't have to give 10% anymore. <laughs> it's just a principle. I want to continue to move up to get 11 12%, 13% as God prospers you. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Read that. And God is able, He's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's quite a statement, isn't it there? So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. God, He wants to take care of you. He wants you to, uh, again, give Everything you need to be sufficient in all things at all times. But when you release your heart from the grip of greed and materialism, what happens is you start abounding in every good work. Fact three is God prospers me uh, to raise my standard of giving. You read in verse 9, As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. So, 
we serve a righteous God, don't we? A generous God. God shows us how generous He is in so many different ways. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. There we see another promise. Right there in chapter 9 of Second Corinthians, He who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So when you start that generosity engine running, God is going to continue to bless you. He's going to continue to show new, new things about Him. I really believe this, that you give generously in whatever way, time, talent, treasures, that God shows Himself to you in new ways you've never seen Him before. You will be enriched in every way to be generous, in every way which through us will provide thanksgiving to God. Back four, the key to becoming generous is faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So that's a question for all of us today, including myself. How much faith Am I putting in God and how I manage my time and my talents and treasures? How does God want to move me as I listen to His leading to give more, to be more generous than I am? Because God has promised, if you are generous, I will bless you. <laughs> he doesn't have to say that, right? He can say, you need to give because I'm God and that's it. <laughs> no, He says, you give generously. You give your life away and God We'll open up the, open up the sea of heaven and, uh, or the opening of heaven and draw wonderful things into your life. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are such a generous God. You show it in so many ways. And I pray for the Spirit to work in all of our hearts today and really speak to us. Now, you, what you would have us do, what new steps along the discipleship pathway that you would have us take. Lord, I know that you're going to bless anyone who gives generously to you. And Lord, we want the heart of generosity at the heart of our church family. In Christ's name, amen.